Welcome to the Run Around Iowa, the podcast that's dedicated to news and interviews with the athletes, coaches, and personalities who are making headlines in cross country, track and field, road running, trail running, and triathlon in the state of Iowa. And now, here is your host, Lance Ferguson. My guest today is a former Valley High School runner who holds the school record in the 3,200-meter run. He also finished third in the recent Big Ten Championships in the 10,000 meters to help the Iowa Hawkeyes to a repeat team championship. He finished his career with the number two time in the 10,000 meters and the number three time in the 5,000 at Iowa. Welcome to the program, Daniel Soto. Thanks, Lance. Wow, what an intro. That's, uh, you, you, went, you went deep in, uh, into the record books there. I, oh, I kind of forgot a I, I, got I, a lot for... more. I got a lot more to dish up, oh, on, great. And yeah. up on you here. So, All right, yeah. That's an impressive resume right there, even that. Wow. I, to be completely honest, I totally forgot that I had the, uh, the Valley High School 3200 state record until recently. My high school coach, uh, he's now the director of the program there. Um, okay. And he's, he sent me a picture of like the Valley High School record board because they just got a brand new facility or they got a brand new track a few years ago and they just got like a brand new record board. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, I totally forgot that I ran that. <laughs> Yes, I just saw it like uh, about three weeks ago. I was doing a track workout there, looked at the board, and there was your name. And I, and I, and I said, yeah, he's still on there. So it's an yeah. impressive uh, school, uh, school leaderboard. Yeah, there's been some really great track history there at, at Valley High School, especially going back in, into like 2006 and seven, And um, they had some really good teams, especially the 4 by 4 I think they might still have the state record, but I'm not state totally record. certain. Yeah. yeah, you might be right on that. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a it's a very nice board. It, it looked uh, brand new, and uh, yeah, uh, I love running uh, track workouts there because I know it's always open. So they always help out with the public there. So yeah, when I was running there, the, the track wasn't quite as nice, um, right. and so it's it's always nice to go back and see that uh, you know the next the next crop of of uh, athletes are getting you know, better facilities. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, so you were surprised that your name was still on there, huh? You, um, 909.76 is the number that you got to beat if you're currently at Valley High. Uh, yeah. You got the record by three seconds over a guy from my era, Mike Holmes. I remember watching him. Um, he ran 912.60 in 1985. So, nice that's that's fast for i mean that's that's pretty quick <laughs> so uh, i did uh, do a little more research you're, you're only 10th in the 1600 in the school record books um yeah what's the, what's the big yeah. drop off there <laughs> yeah i know it's absolutely really quite interesting I, I mean just a classic case of distance runner that just like never really developed a whole ton of speed um speed, but yeah. Uh, what was interesting was, um, you know, I, I played other sports growing up as well. And especially when I started running, I was playing other sports. And, um, and so I still did have like some turnover uh, from, from doing stuff like that. And so I wasn't like completely inept when it came to uh, like looking at, you know, maybe at, at a 10K fielder or something. 
Um, I still had a lot more speed than some people, but yeah, the mile was just something that I never really developed, especially in high school. Yeah, oh, right. Wow. Yeah, because uh, even your senior year, um, you were sixth in the in the state final in that yeah. 1600. Uh, and then um, you were um, a runner-up to a guy named Ryan Schweizer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what a guy. <laughs> that, in that 3200 final, uh, that's no slouch that you're losing to. Yeah, um, yeah. I'll bet that was a good uh, battle between you two that day. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, I forget. I, I haven't reminisced on the high school career in quite some time. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I think that like kind of going into that race, we, I mean, we had, uh, we had just kind of battled each other in cross country that fall. And so going into that race, we kind of just knew it was going to be him and I, and I got him in the fall and he, uh, he got me in the spring and then he ran way faster than I did, uh, in the spring for the rest of the after track season. So, okay. So he, he wasn't going to let you uh, win again. Did you race him this year? He was uh, at Drake this year as a graduate student. Did I don't think so. Him? Yeah. Uh, you guys so, were you guys were all into those Big Ten invites. Uh, yeah, I, I, we were. Uh, yeah, we were yeah. Big Ten only uh, all year, right. and that right. um, that was really tough for a lot of people, especially the distance runners. Um, that was that was something that I think that we kind of saw reflected on the NCAA championships with with some of the some of the people's performances um mm. I, I think that it's for better or for worse because i think that some people kind of thrive when that environment is something that is like all of a sudden brand new to them and they really elevate their performance but it's really difficult for a lot of people especially when uh you know you're just used to competing against nebraska all year long you know we would have meets uh especially going even going into the indoor season a lot of our track athletes who did indoor and outdoor i mean they would be going to meet with just like two or three teams which i understand yeah. was something that was much more common back in like you know back in the day when they had dual meets and there was something that was really unique about it uh and and kind of fun but nowadays when the line between professional and collegiate track is ever so blurred those top end athletes get a get a really great opportunity to compete in some really big meets like the iowa state guys when they got to compete at oregon right yeah yeah, yeah. that I, that that was probably one example of it yeah that, that just uh come, come to the top of my mind there but at the same time what an opportunity for them i mean it, that's that's no one that's no one's fault but the big ten yeah. <laughs> it, uh, you, you know what i mean it like you can't fault any of these other schools for going out there and getting their athletes those opportunities because we would do the same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. I understand the big 10 was being safe, uh, trying to be safe for the athletes, but it does get stale after a while. <laughs> like you said, seeing the same teams every week. Yeah. Yeah. And, and fortunately you weren't going to all these meets. Um, you were kind of probably running like every other weekend because you were mostly distance weren't you um running yeah five five and, and ten k's of course mm -hmm. and it's actually funny because um you know during this outdoor season the the coaches kind of got together and decided what uh what location was going to be the smartest for us to use to try and get some distance qualifiers and we kind of like all decided that indiana was going to be the spot and so uh it, what was really great was that every day or every meet that we went there, the weather couldn't have been more perfect. 
it was always like 55, like 50 to 55, 9 p.m., absolutely no winds, just like like very little humidity. So it, it actually ended up being pretty nice, especially because we had some uh, some other distance or some other areas that went down to Texas for me and went down to Florida for me. Yeah, and it sure. was like, yeah, it was like raining and like 30 mile power wow. winds. And yeah, and so uh, we ended up staying relatively regionally and, and found some success there. Yeah, you didn't go to that Florida one, did you? The, the, uh, no, I did go down there, actually. Oh, you did? I, okay. Yeah, I ran, a, I ran a 1500. Okay, yeah. Torture. So, yeah, you were, you were probably thankful it was only <laughs> just a 1500. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was at uh, that uh, big big invite number three that you ran uh, that number two time uh, all time at Iowa at 2848.12. Uh, that was in the middle of April. Um, what happened on that day? Was it, uh, yeah. Like said everything just came together on that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was definitely something that we felt was very within us. Uh, that was, it was very in our reach. It, you know, the biggest thing with the 10K, especially when you try and run a fast one, is just the, the cards kind of have to line up that day. And there are some things that are completely out of your control. Uh, for example, you know, if it's 40 mile per hour winds, like it doesn't matter. You're just not going to run the fastest 10K that you that you probably could. And so and we were just betting on some things to, to go right. And they, and they did uh, some other, we only had, I think like seven dudes in our race which is so different than if you go and watch some of these other uh, 10Ks from across the country uh, during the collegiate season, there were more than seven guys in it. <laughs> You'd have like 30 dudes on the track. And, um, and so one thing that we were betting on is that uh, at least a, a couple of the other guys were going to come ready, to, ready to, to try and run quick. And they were, a, a couple of guys showed up uh, and, and really wanted to run fast. And so, we kind of, it, it, it was definitely the most interesting like collegiate meet experience strictly because we were out there trying to run really fast, but it felt like such a high school meet because like, right. it was, no, it, no fans it, like, and... yeah, it was like, you could only bring like two family members, I don't know, something like that. So it was like very limited and, uh, but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was a great, it was a good night. There was, there was a lot of golf claps going on. <laughs> you know, there yeah. Was... Yeah, when you're uh, when you're 25 minutes into it, to an AK or to a 10K, you know you kind of at some point just kind of go go a little deaf, and so it could it doesn't matter if there's you know a thousand people there or zero people there. Uh, did uh, did Indiana's Ben Beach run that day? Is that one mm, of the? I do. Uh, maybe he paced. No, I don't think he did. No, no, okay. he did not. Okay, so I thought he might have ran and might have helped you to that fast time. No, Indiana had a couple other uh, a couple other guys hop in there for a little bit, and then uh, um, Seth Hirsch from Wisconsin. I guess I'll have to give him a shout out here. Uh, he he did definitely uh, do his fair share of work during that race, and and then uh, another guy, Tom Brady, kind of kind of snuck up on us at the end, and uh, and so we all three of us ended up running pretty quick. Now you uh, ended up facing Brady again at the Big Ten uh, Outdoors. Um, yeah, finished third uh, to Veach yeah. and and Brady, um, two very good runners. Uh, but that was important to me, I thought, because you know you're 
you know, the Hawkeyes were looking to try to repeat a championship. This was the first day of the event and you picked up six big points for your team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely wanted to, definitely wanted to get him, get him there, but uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a quality runner. Um, but yeah, the, the team definitely, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that I like about the 10 K is just where it's at on the schedule and in those big championship meets like big tens uh, because it's like the first night. And um, yeah. And I kind of like being the, being the first guy to kind of set the tone for the rest of the track team um, or at least, at least get the get the movement in the right direction for some of our other dudes who who go and score those you know, massive points. Um, it just kind of because everyone on our team is very in tune with what's going on. Um, you know, when you when you have a championship team, everyone is kind of aware of what's going on at those big meets, and so uh, it's really encouraging when you see you know someone who maybe comes in ranked like eighth or ninth, and they you know pop off and get like fifth. And like those are big point uh, team points for us, right, and so right. So sometimes it's kind of fun to go out there and help be the guy that sets the tone. Um, and there's a couple other events that are on the first day that that uh, are like that as well. Yeah, some field events, but uh, for uh, for the most part, yeah, there isn't that many events. So yeah, you really can for sure. And this is a guy, uh, listeners here, that that really did show up uh, at the Big Ten every year he ran. He in 2016, you got 13th in the outdoors. Um, you didn't compete in 2017. You were injured, but then you mm. moved up to eighth in, in uh, 2018 and sixth in 2019. So you kept progressing and continued to keep scoring for the Hawkeyes in this event. So yeah, that's got to be that's got to be one thing that you're proud of. That you, yeah, uh, I you, I remember you scored in three Big Ten meets for Iowa. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it's such a tough conference to score in, and um, yeah, so a distance running. Yeah, it's so deep, and a lot of the times, um, you know, what you find, whoever the best runner in the Big Ten is, is usually competing for a national championship. Um, you know, when you look when you look over the past 15, 15 or so years, and so um, it's it's really encouraging to see just you know every year the league keeps getting better, and uh, and so definitely. Uh, definitely the goal was always to do uh, whatever I could to help, you know, help the team score points to, to get us to the team title. So it, it took a little bit. Um, and I think that you find that with a lot of the runners in the big 10 is that it takes them until they're, you know, sophomore, but mostly junior, senior year before they start scoring serious points. Okay. Um, so um, take me back to that weekend um, in Champaign. Um, when did you kind of feel like something special was going to happen or, or, or did uh, coach Woody say, Hey guys, we can do this again. We can win this title. Um, was it something uh, that. Yeah. I think of... that it, it was, uh, it was actually something that was much more uh, like we knew going in before um, the pandemic happened and we were going into that outdoor season. Um, we had just come off a second place finish indoors and that was something that we had never done. I think that the year that we won outdoors in 2019, um, yeah, 2019, I think that we had gotten, I don't know, maybe sixth indoors. And we just kind of have our strengths are in a lot of the outdoor events, like, like the hurdles. And, uh, and so when we got second in indoors, we were like, oh, we, we've got a really good team this year. We're, we're going to win outdoors again this year. And then the pandemic happened. So a lot of people going into this year, um, we were fortunate to have a lot of seniors come back. We were like, yeah, this is, this is going to be a good team. Um, and then 
so all year it's just kind of one of those things where it's like not all, you don't even have to say it everyone just kind of knows that that's that's the goal that's what we're going for and uh thankfully we got a lot of dudes there healthy and and we won so yeah it all just came together for you for sure mm-hmm. um so there was never any sort of uh event that you've uh, kind of thought to yourself wow we just scored like eight more points than i thought we would and Oh man! Just, just broke it open for us. Yeah, um, we're just such a strong hurdling squad. I mean, we with Jalen and Jamal. Yeah. I mean yeah. those those guys those guys are just absolutely beasts. And I mean, I'm so excited to watch them at the Olympic trials. Uh, I mean, and then also Aaron Mallet. I mean, the Hawkeye hurdling squad is truly really? truly world class. Really becoming and, great. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. Yeah. And so when uh, when Jalen and Jamal, uh, or when Jalen ran uh, Big Ten record in the one ten mm-hmm. hurdles, that just was like so exciting. And then Jamal came back in the four hundred hurdles. It was like, okay, we've got this. Like, there's just no one that there's, there's just no one that has has the guys that we do. Okay. Um, when when you know the pandemic ended the the, the twenty twenty season. You got a chance to come back and run one more outdoor season. Um, what was the, the motivation there to come back for just a few months of competing? Was it to qualify for nationals, uh, to, to try to get another Big Ten title? Um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, there was a lot that went into the process for sure. Uh, I think that like a lot of people, um, you know, when the pandemic happened, they kind of found their their lives kind of turned upside down for a little bit. And I feel like especially – people who graduated college um that spring and that was me and uh and so there was just a lot of things um a lot of companies weren't hiring you know a lot of uh there were just a lot of question marks going on in society for i mean for everyone's life and so uh woody was fort was i mean he was uh, gracious enough to provide me with an opportunity to come back and uh it kind of i didn't really have anything else lined up and, you know, we knew that if, if we got a few key pieces back, myself included, that we were going to be a pretty tough team to beat coming outdoor Big Tens. Um, and, and so, yeah, that, I mean, I had a couple of good calls with, uh, with Woody and with um, my head coach, or I guess my distance coach, Randy, and uh, we kind of decided that, you know, we'd give it one more go. Okay, and you got um, just a couple names, Nathan Milenic and then uh, Tyson Vandraska, a couple guys that, just like you, came back um, just for the chance. Yeah, and all scored big points at Big Tens. Right, exactly. So, um, so um, you uh, were, you're a pre-business uh, major. Um, you had your degree. Uh, are you pursuing a master's now? Yeah, so... Uh, I guess I, I, I should correct you. I'm, I, I don't know exactly why pre-business is. I'm assuming that's from the Hawkeye Athletic site. Yeah. Yeah. I just picked yeah. it from that. Yeah. Um, and so I actually graduated with a, uh, with a degree in uh, finance and marketing. And then I have like a professional focus in, uh, or I have a focus in professional sales. Okay. Yeah. So what are you hoping to uh, get into that? And uh, yeah, how's your, how's your, uh, how's the job market looking for you? Yeah, it's, it's going, I mean, it's definitely, uh, there are definitely opportunities out there that maybe weren't, weren't there uh, last, 
uh, last year. Um, I'm currently working right now at a, a company um, that's uh, their headquarters are out in Seattle right now, and it's a it's a tech company. And so uh, I'm just working from remote uh, for right now, just kind of uh, figuring out what my next steps are long term. Okay. Uh, probably pretty difficult to, to interview for jobs right now and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not too easy at this point. So, um, so um, then you, after the Big Tens happened, um, that time, I know you put somewhere, whether it was Instagram or somewhere, you were thinking that uh, you might not make it to, to, to the West prelims, but you did. And um, I imagine that race in College Station uh, was probably a disappointment for you finishing 40th yeah yeah running 30 54 not what you wanted right yeah definitely what, not great what happened there <laughs> what happened in that race yeah uh so that was just kind of one of those things where uh you know i pretty much all of outdoor season uh i had been dealing with like a little bit of hamstring issue and uh and then you know, it was just kind of one of those things, and I, I know that a lot of a lot of other people will understand when I say this that it was just like you know one day it's like oh it feels great, and then like the next day it's just like oh man like I don't know uh, I, I like I don't know how I can run on this right now, and um, but I kind of learned how to how to deal with it, and then and by the time like Big Tens came around, uh, you know that that really kind of kind of set it off a little bit, and so then rolling into uh, into College Station the training wasn't necessarily the best. And, uh, and then I also had, um, a little bit of an adductor issue. Uh, it kind of flared up at the, in the 5k at big tens. I, I had to DNF that race because one of those days where the, uh, the hamstring just didn't feel great. Uh, and then, um, yeah, going into college station, we were just like, yeah, like we're just gonna, you know, throw hats, you know, throw hats in the mix you know, if it's our day, it's our day. If it's not, then, I mean, can't really ask for much more. Um, and then we kind of got out there and then, uh, yeah, after, uh, the race, you know, I went back and I was talking to my trainer and he was like, yeah, you, you've got a bone contusion in your heel. And so it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, I, uh, you know, distance running is just such a sport where you really have to find that line between, you know, training at a re extremely high level and staying healthy and it's such a difficult line for people to walk and um but for me personally uh, it was just kind of something that you know you kind of have to push yourself to that line and and so unfortunately uh, i wasn't able to really get there 100 healthy but you know i definitely don't have any any regrets when it comes to like pushing my training um especially for my senior season helping out the team well it happens i mean we uh, talked before the recording that you've been watching the trials and, and you saw, you know, Lopez Lamong pull off with a, with a hamstring injury in that, in that 10,000. So yeah, man, yeah, that sucks. Um, you've got to be at your very top, top best. Yeah. Um, Lopez. I'm, I'm sure Lopez is listening. Lopez. I feel <laughs> you brother. <laughs> I'm sure he's not, but, <laughs> but I have interviewed him. Uh, he's, he is a super guy. Um, so, um, uh, you, like I said, we did, uh, you have been watching the trials. Um, yeah, what, it's been uh, awesome. It has been really good competition. Um, and we've seen, um, some Iowans do well. You know, yeah. Tokyo. Um, what's kind of been your favorite highlight? 
Mm, man, great, great question. Uh, there's been a lot of really great performances, uh, but I think that I'd be remiss not to uh, not to give the the edge to the world record in the shot put, Ryan Flasher. I mean, that's I mean he obliterated it. That was absolutely incredible. Um, and then yeah, watching uh, watching Carissa qualify, that was that was super cool as well. Shout out five and five. They need to. They needed to build that shot put pit out just a little more. <laughs> yeah, he looked like he, he, he looked like you're about to leave the the ring. It was it was nuts. It was. Uh, that's that's just crazy. Uh, throwing that uh, for me. Other than other than Chris Schweizer, um, uh, Donovan Brazier. Um, what happened there in that 800? To me, that's maybe. The yeah, that was crazy. Far so far of the of the trials uh, so yeah yeah he, I, I ended up making it to tokyo that's yeah true. that's it's tough yeah but um i think that's kind of the the thing about you know the sport track that is actually really really cool is that it doesn't matter like if you're you know the world champion or it doesn't matter who you who you are you know I, you have to show up and to get the to get your spot and uh, I think that's what's so exciting about, you know, watching the trials and, and just the state of American track is that it's just so competitive. And that's what makes the trial so fun to watch. Like the 100 was awesome. Were you sitting there screaming at the TV when uh, Eric, Swinsky, Eric Swinsky was uh, in the 800? In those yeah. Heats that he was in? Yeah, he's, he's an uh, Iowa legend for sure. I. I, I don't know what the exact number is, but he's run like an insane number of like sub 148, 800s, and uh, which is just insane. Um, especially because, you know, I feel like he's someone who is just so consistent uh, in the sport of track and field. He just, he's so unbelievably consistent. And it sucks because in basically every other sport, uh, in every other professional sport, you know, you get rewarded for being a super consistent uh, you know, athlete, whether that's football, basketball, or baseball, and in the sport of track, unfortunately, um, you're not as rewarded as much as you probably should be, um, or as much as you are in other sports, if that makes sense. Right, right. Um, piggybacking on that, um, uh, David Monty of, uh, of Race Results Weekly, he's taken a shine to Eric. Um, he's actually tracked all the what is it? Sub one forty sevens that he's run in his career, and he's yeah up, up to like ninety two or something. <laughs> it's something that, that's so many. Yeah, it's because uh, Eric's just we all know he's a world traveler. He goes uh, yeah. races in about twenty some meets every year. That's not affected by a pandemic. Um, yeah. So, uh, so the uh, the obvious question that, that we were talking about is the NIL. Of course, the NCAA lost that case uh, yesterday. Mm. That was the big story. But track and field athletes are just not ever going to benefit from this. Uh, correct? I mean, this is unless you're. I see. See, I, I think I actually did. I actually disagree with that. Um, oh, really? I, okay. Yeah, I, I think that. I think um, well, I guess I, I guess I should clarify. Um, we're referencing the. Uh, like name image uh life likeness yeah like okay yeah so i think that nil yeah i, I think that uh obviously the i think that well first what we have to recognize is like 
college athletics in general, there's already a lot of money being given to athletes that like aren't like track athletes, football, basketball, like those athletes are already getting paid whether yeah. or not. Yeah. I mean, under the table. Sure. And so um, I think that this NIL really benefits the students that aren't getting paid money under the table, such as a sprint sports like swimming or track or, you know, maybe baseball a little bit. Um, and because uh, I think a, a great example is maybe if you look at like Iowa wrestling, you know, give someone like Spencer Lee or, you know, a, a wrestler here the ability to say, hey, I'm going to go over to, you know, the Iowa City local car dealership and, you know, stand, yeah. stand here. And, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and while, you know, maybe the money may not be a lot um, compared to what, you know, some stories about football and basketball players are, I think that, you know, a thousand bucks here, a thousand bucks there goes quite a long ways for a college athlete, um, mainly because so many of them are not on full ride scholarships or um, so many of them are, are still basically living month to month off of whatever money that they are getting from their scholarships. Okay. Okay. Well, I think it's going to be an uphill climb for, for track and field athletes because it's, it's just not a big revenue sport. And, and even wrestlers are, you know, they're, you know, Hawkeye, uh, Carver Hawkeye's practically filled for, you know, a yeah. with yeah. Indiana, you know. <laughs> the, uh, the one advantage, though, that, I, that I'll say that track athletes have for sure is um, the, the social media presence. I think that uh, if you look at some athletes, for example, uh, Tara Davis from Texas, uh, you know, she, she's got a lot of yeah. followers on Instagram and, uh, and so she can benefit financially from that by, you know, ads on, uh, on, you know, on Instagram and paid promotions and whatnot. And, and so I think that, uh, and the only reason I say that is because I actually used to work in, in, uh, social media marketing and, um, and so that was definitely something influencers are, are definitely something that are becoming much more of an economic engine that, uh, that I think that we could definitely see track athletes benefiting from the NIL uh, in that regard as well. Yeah, I mean, if people can profit off YouTube, off their YouTube channels, um, mm -hmm. certainly there's some opportunity there for sure. Um, so um, uh, how's, your, how's your relationship, speaking of, of kind of influence, um, Coach Ray, Randy Hazenbank, um, he arrived a year after you did um, in 2017. Um, you develop a real uh, strong close bond with your coach. Yeah, yeah. Randy and I, um, you know, we actually, to be completely honest, we got off to an incredibly rocky start. Um, okay. uh, and because I was actually recruited to the University of Iowa. And, he did not uh, and, recruit you. No, he did not. Um, I was recruited and coached my freshman year by Lane Anderson. Um, wow. and, and then he left and then Randy came in uh, my second year and we had, all right, I mean, we were just going through a, uh, an, a interesting period as a program. Um, you know, when you have a coaching change that can affect a lot of people, especially when you have a lot of upperclassmen on the team. Um, and I think that those guys had had, you know, three or four coaches in the span of, you know, four or five years. And so, uh, it was a, it was a difficult change for a lot of people. And, um, as a, as a underclassman, you know, we just kind of butted heads a little bit and then I got hurt, which didn't help it at all. And then, uh, but 
fortunately, you know, we, you know, kind of were able to sit down at the end of my sophomore year and say like, Hey, if we're going to do this thing, then like, we got to get on the same page. And ever since then, honestly, like I couldn't imagine having anyone else coach me. He's, he's, um, you know, someone that I definitely put my utmost trust with my training in, uh, you know, he's a great guy to be around. And, um, one of the, definitely one of the most underrated coaches, um, you know, in, in the power five for, uh, you know, what, what he's able to produce with what he gets. He's done a great job there. Like you said, mm-hmm. with what he gets. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, are turning out some really good uh, distance runners now. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it goes back, um, you know, even before he came to Iowa, he was a, uh, he was the head coach at Loyola and um, he actually recruited me. Uh, he, he, recruiting me a little bit to Loyola and I remember being like no way I'm never aimed for this guy <laughs> this Jabroni and uh but he was a great coach uh even there uh with uh Sam Penson Stadler he had I think he got like third I don't know maybe like third or fifth at NCAAs in the 1500. Okay okay so uh why did you uh decide to go to Iowa was it the uh, uh the, the business program uh, did you get any other offers what was yeah. So coming out of high school, I, uh, um, I kind of was in a difficult situation strictly because I got hurt my junior year of high school. And that's kind of the year for track to, you know, really get your name out there with recruiting. Um, because by the time senior track season rolls around, rolls around, you know, a lot of that scholarship wow. money is already allocated. Yeah. And so uh, I was hurt junior year. And so um, I kind of knew I had to have a big cross country season uh, if I wanted to run at the next level. And so uh, I still had some issues with other programs that just were like, oh, we like don't, we just don't have space on our team or, or whatever. And so the four schools I took visits to were Boise State, Mizzou, Minnesota, and Iowa. And uh, it just kind of ended up being one of those things where, you know, uh, financially speaking like I just couldn't make any of the other ones work and uh and so Iowa was just kind of the one that I was like this just it checks all the boxes for me and uh and then I it was also really great because uh one of my best friends uh, Ben Anderson who ran at Valley with me back in the day uh he was running here at the time as well and so uh I had already come up and visited him a few times and so I already knew all the guys on the team and the coach kind of already knew who I was uh, and it was right down the road from my family. So they could come and watch me race, which was important to me. And yeah, it was just kind of, you know, it, it kind of ended up just like falling into my lap, but it ended up being, um, you know, a great fit. Okay. Yeah. It helps to have somebody that, you know, there uh, for sure. Now you ran in a, in a footlocker uh, national cross country championships. National? No, no, not national. Yeah. No, uh, regional. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would have been sweet. That was yeah. that was a huge goal of mine in high school, but apparently everyone else is way faster than me. <laughs> Did you have to qualify for that? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. I think you got to go up to uh, um, Wisconsin, Oshkosh, or somewhere uh, in that area. And uh, yeah, my. I mean, it, it just super competitive you know you got you got a lot of really really good dudes in the region a lot of good states and a lot of them ended up running running against in the big 10 which is kind of cool to see okay okay were you um when you were uh younger uh, before high school you were you kind of talked about some other sports were you leaning toward going to some other um sports before you focus on 
um, distance running? Yeah, uh, I actually played uh, soccer pretty competitively. Uh, I feel like that's a common theme for a lot of distance runners. Uh, you know, they kind of grew up playing soccer, but we have a, a really competitive uh, academy in, in central Iowa. And uh, that was just kind of the sport that I grew playing up. Uh, that was the sport that I played growing up. And I like a lot of athletes, there kind of comes a point when you kind of have to make a choice when you yeah. compete at a high level. And, uh, and so, yeah, my freshman year, uh, my freshman year, you made that choice. Yeah. Yeah. There was the state cross country meet was happening at the same time as the state soccer final. And I, so I, I literally had to like make a choice. Like, am I playing in soccer or am I running? And I chose to run. Uh, I think about that sometimes when I was on like a, you know, like an 18 mile long run in the middle of winter, I'm like, wow. Like I, cause I was probably, I would say I was equally as good at soccer as I was at running. For so you were age. on the, you were on the, you were on the team that was playing at state then. Uh, oh, this, Your I'm sorry. Year. Yeah. Yeah. This was club soccer. I'm so oh, sorry. Club, uh, Not soccer. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but you were one of the big players on that team though. Were you? Running? Yeah. Were you a striker? I'm not that um, familiar with soccer, sorry. Yeah, no, it's totally cool. Uh, I kind of bounced all over the place. Uh, I either played center mid, um, like a holding a holding midfielder, or I would play out on the wing just because I was much quicker than people at the, especially at the end of the game, because I could just run so much more than everyone else. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, uh, but I, I think that, I think that if I would have stuck with soccer, that I, I probably would have been would have been pretty good. Okay, okay. Um, so, so uh, you 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 were kind of talking about those winter long runs. Who is the who is the guy on the roster that kind of really motivates you the most during those tough workouts um, on the on the um, guy roster? Who is the guy? Yeah. I think it, it kind of each team takes on like their own personality. And so it kind of varies on the year, but um, I know that I had a really great group of, uh, of guys that came in in my recruiting class, uh, you know, Bailey has with row, Daniel Merkin, Ian Eklund. And uh, I would say just like those, those three guys uh, okay. in particular, you know, when we had those, when we had those, uh, those tough workouts, seeing those guys always, uh, always made it, I, I shouldn't say less, less miserable, but at least, there is company in misery. What's the hardest workout that Coach Chazenbank put you guys through? Mm. Um, What's the one where you're just yeah. you're ready to puke your guts out? Yeah, uh, I, I did this. I, I did this uh, workout uh, this this spring, um, and it was two by it was two by two miles, six by three hundred, and. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty tough workout. And uh, that was like, a, it, it was, it, I, I was pretty much just taking naps the rest of the weekends <laughs> because of it. Okay. Um, so you had some injury issues during your career. Um, I saw one of your posts on Instagram, how you, how you said you uh, fought through a lot. What, what kind of things did you have to go through? You already talked about uh, your uh, situation at College Station that happened with the hamstring. Um, what happened uh, that year that you mostly lost in, 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that was, uh, I think that, like I mentioned earlier, that coaching change was difficult on a lot of people. And um, I, I think for me, uh, I was, like I said, you know, Ben and that uh, it was that group of guys two years older than me. I was really close with that group of, of people. And so uh, that was kind of the year that they, they graduated and, and moved out of Iowa city. And, and um, you know, that was, so that was Randy's first year. And then on top of all that happening, I also got hurt uh, like the week before uh, the big 10 championship. Um, and, uh, and so that was really tough because, you know, I burned a year of eligibility and then uh, yeah, that, that didn't get to, yeah, that was cross country. Okay. And then, um, and then on top of that, like all of, uh, or at least a lot of my friends, you know, were, were starting to move on. And, uh, and so I had actually, and then on top of all that, you know, Randy and I weren't getting along at, at the greatest uh, level. And so then there was a, definitely a period, I mean, I quit the team at one point and was oh. just like, to, just like totally off the team. Uh, and then, uh, you know, after a while, uh, you know, I just kind of met with Randy and Woody and, uh, you know, kind of figured out like best best course forward and uh then you know we had to get myself healthy first and then once we were able to get myself healthy and uh you know that was kind of all I really needed in order to take control of you know my training and and uh then eventually find success and I think that a lot of distance runners kind of feel that way as well where it's just one of those things where it's like oh if you can just you know figure out how to keep yourself healthy like the rest of you know everything else just kind of like falls uh, in where it's supposed to be, not necessarily just with running, but, you know, when running's going well, a lot of times the rest of your life is also going well. Was it a recurring injury that you had, or is it just something that kept popping up? Or Yeah, I just kind of had, like, some uh, some issues in, like, various places. Uh, I think my, the the past, so, yeah, my sophomore year, um, when I got hurt, that was, uh, that was my knee. Uh, it was my meniscus that, that um, got hurt. Mm. And then, uh, what was it, 2019 that's, or 18? That's, that's a rare injury to get a meniscus. <laughs> yeah, that, that wasn't fun. Um, and then my, uh, I can't even remember, my senior year of cross country, uh, whatever year that was, um, I also got hurt uh, literally a week before the Big Ten Championships again but I decided that I was going to run regardless. And so uh, just like ran, took some, took some painkillers and just like hopped in uh, the big 10 championships and uh, helped my team out and then couldn't run at regionals. Um, and so just like, you know, some of those things, you know, looking back at your, at, or at my career, at least, you know, the, uh, it, it really helps me appreciate those times that I did find success. Uh, because I, I do know what it feels like to, you know, be on the, be on the other side of that. Like a lot of people have experienced. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to happen to everybody. Eventually you're going to have injuries for sure. Was that your uh, junior year when you got hurt then? Couldn't run regionals? Uh, so that was year, that was my fourth year. Uh, I understand you have a dog that you just walked. Yeah. 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 I do. I am Sandy. Sandy, okay. Yeah. It's a she. Yep. Yeah. yeah. She has uh, she has many nicknames though, so you can also call her the Sandalorian, um, <laughs> or uh, Sandy Corn. Those those are also her uh, her known aliases. I'm sure she has a few more. She's not telling me about though. 
Uh, what, uh, so what breed is she? Then? Um, so I actually got her, I rescued her from a shelter. Uh, so she's kind of just a mutt. Uh, she did take a DNA test and it's like Great Pyrenees, uh, Marema Sheepdog, um, like 30% like general herding group. So just kind of like a mix of, mix of a lot of different things. Big old hairy thing then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> she, uh, a little bit. Okay. So, so you're uh, working. Um, are you going to continue running then uh, competitively? Um, yeah. Are, so are you looking to join um, some sort of a racing team or what's, yeah, I, what's the future looking for? Yeah. So I think that the biggest thing for me is, you know, managing um, you know, my, uh, my hamstring and my adductor and my heel, uh, you know, because that's still definitely something that, uh, ha affected me at the end of my season. And it's definitely something that, uh, you know, it, it's not something that I want to have happen again. And, and so, uh, I'm definitely taking my time, uh, you know, with this, with this injury, as opposed to, you know, sometimes when you get hurt, it's kind of like, okay, let's get back into um, training as soon as we can if we're in the middle of our season or, or something like that and so I'm taking some time just to make sure that all that's kind of wrapped up and then once I feel good about my body and uh, you know staying healthy then uh, then I can kind of go from there and uh, decide what's best for me the adductor is your hip by the way people <laughs> so uh, I do know that so you'll have to, uh, do you get back to uh, West Des Moines much to see your family? Yeah, uh, I try to, um, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely something that, that I, uh, that I care about doing is, you know, that's, that's why I kind of came to Iowa is be able to see my family. And, uh, and so I was just back there not too long ago and, uh, and, you know, they, uh, all my family lives in the area. I've got a, a brother actually here at the university of Iowa right now, just, wrapped up his freshman year and then I've got two sisters who live over in Chicago and then my parents are uh, still in Des Moines so it's it's nice to be able to get us all together you know on holidays and, and the like okay I always uh, typically ask people about this uh, question but there's something that the listeners might be interested to know about you that uh, isn't common knowledge something Mm, wow something unusual about you <laughs> um i, I feel like oh sorry were you gonna say something like do you have a collection of like ancient darts no darts unfortunately okay. um i i, I guess uh, i uh, back in high school some people may know this back in high school i, I was actually a mime oh this is great yeah you're my you actually did the full uh dress and garb everything. yeah oh yeah we're, we're the we're the spandex and everything shout out wow. to baker's dozen okay at that okay. high school yeah how did this come about it's just kind of like a thing in our uh, in our drama department i don't know my i'm my family's very into the arts growing up my sister uh works in um she she's you know she works in like the casting industry she went to a uh, a school for musical theater and so she she kind of works in that space and so growing up I'm super into theater and apparently about high school there's just like some people way back in in the day in like the 60s and 70s that wanted to be mimes and it just kind of like I don't know stuck stuck around and here I am like 50 years later talking on a podcast about them 
<laughs> What's the hardest part about being a mime? Not talking? Uh, yeah, we actually would talk, though. We kind of didn't follow the rules. Okay. Yeah. For the people at Valley. Yeah, we we did. We would do one in the one one in the fall, one in the spring. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a lot, I mean, it was a lot of fun. We'd run around in spandex and mime. <laughs> that's that's awesome. So, well, Daniel, um, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Uh, it, it really was a lot of fun. I um, I enjoyed talking with you. I hope to see you down the road at some of these road races in Iowa. Is that, uh, is that something that's on the docket maybe for you? Like you said, once you get healthy. Yeah, absolutely. My dad is the only Drake Relays champion in the Soto family. So I definitely have to claim at least one. Uh, again, um, thanks for the time, Daniel. And um, again, great career at Iowa. Um, a lot to be proud of. You got two Big Ten championships that uh, you can be uh, proud of, team championships. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.